Hello, and welcome back to Hunting Legends, which we are currently very angry about because we just recorded a few minutes, like not even five minutes ago, and the recording deleted itself. So here we go, back into the fray. I am Sue Host, Lauren Garcia. This is Sue Other Host. You know who I am. Do they? Do they, though? better. <laughs> Say your name. Give like a big god greeting of your name. God greeting? Yeah, like introducing Gabriella Garcia. Okay, well now you know your name. You're welcome. Is it? Is it not? What's your name then? Um, Diane. Diane. I've never heard of that name before. You've never heard of that name before? <laughs> yep. I mean you being called that name. Anyway, let's let's get into it. Today's episode we are going to be covering Texarkana's Moonlight Murders. What? <laughs> We're going to be covering Texarkana's Moonlight Murders. I am the Texarkana Moonlight Murders. <laughs> Um, I'm going to be covering the actual cases, the actual attacks and whatnot, while Gabby is going to be covering a couple of conspiracy theories, particularly some big ones. You keep saying a couple and multiple. It's just one. <laughs> okay, it's then. just one conspiracy okay, theory. Okay, then. You touched in a few other ones. Like what? Like the one where they were, like, father and son and whatnot? That's the same thing. It was... <laughs> She's going to be doing conspiracy theory. One. Oon. One. Anyway, let's get right into it, shall we? For those of you who don't know, Texarkana is a, what you would call a border town. It sits between the border of Texas and Arkansas, or this sort of city is otherwise called a twin city. Uh, do, 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 do. the Texas Texas little Texarkana Moonlight Murders, uh, are to this day un uh, unsolved, and they actually in 1976 uh were the inspiration of a horror film called The Town That Dreaded Sundown which is very, very, very loosely based off of the real murders. Uh, do, 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 do. Anyway, the murders in question happened between February 22nd, 1946, and May 3rd of 1946. Uh, a killer dubbed the Phantom Killer attacked eight people, killing five and injuring three. Here, I'm gonna loosely describe the attacks and whatnot. If you are thoroughly interested in this, you can definitely go online. This is an open case. They have a lot of facts online about what, uh, what happened in great detail and everything, if you want to look that up. Uh, anyway, 
the first attack happened on February 22nd, 1946 at around 11.55 p.m. Jim Hollis, uh, 25 male, an age 25 male, and his girlfriend, Mary Larry, Mary Laurie, which is a 19-year-old female, were the first to be attacked. Uh, they had both gone down to Lover's Lane to... Separately. <laughs> together. I just wanted to, you know... Hang out. Hang out. In the dark. No, they were fucking... <laughs> when an unknown male came up to them and attacked them. Uh, they both did survive the attack, the attack, Jim with multiple skull fractures after being hit in the head uh, by the Phantom uh, with the gun. They were held at gunpoint. He was hit with the butt of the gun. He was hit with a blunt object <laughs> severely multiple times. <laughs> And he suffered skull fractures. Uh, Mary was had minor head wounds with af and after being uh, sexually assaulted, she was raped. She here's the kicker though, she wasn't raped by the attacker. She was raped by her boyfriend. I remember that. No. What? She was raped by the butt of the gun. Oh, yes. The I attacker remember. sexually assaulted her with his gun. Uh, whenever... It, it is. He is a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> whenever police questioned them, they both had clashing claims on what their attacker actually looked like other than vague descriptions on height and overall body build. Uh... Larry's, Larry's, Mary, I'm just going to stick with her first name. Mary's description were, was taken a little bit more seriously considering she was quite literally face to face with her attacker and it was loosely, uh, a tall African American male with a strong build and everything, but, uh, there were a lot, she, she wasn't a very reliable witness, is what I'm saying. Which is understandable, no considering a lot. No reliable witness, It is, yeah, it, no one, no eyewitness is reliable, and in her case, it is understandable, considering this was a very traumatic event for her. And for her boyfriend. So, which led to March 21st? 24th? I'm not English. 21st. <laughs> 21st, yes. On March 24, 1946, Richard Griffin, age 27, I believe, and Molly Moore, age 17, were found dead in Griffin's car That's by 10 a... 10 years. Sorry? That's 10 years age difference. I'm sorry. Uh, were found in Griffin's car near Lover's Lane by a passing motorist. Uh, police had found them both in the... Richard was in the driver's seat 
dead. Dead. <laughs> he had been shot in the back he of the head. He was in the ditch dead. <laughs> Maybe we'll go over that story one day, but not right now. <laughs> uh, Griffin had been found in the driver's seat, shot in the back of the head. Moore had been found in the back seat, uh, in a position that made it looked like look like she had been sleeping. Uh, however, upon looking at the scene, police uh, had described had what is it called? I don't know what it's <laughs> called. Police had. Uh, uh, a pig. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to Please say. We had evidence to say that they were killed outside of the car, and they Suggest. were placed back inside of the car by their murderer. The police, whenever they got there, had a pig. <laughs> <laughs> this is going great. Anyway, um, they had a pig. They killed it. They butchered it. They threw it back in the car. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what this the Phantom Killer did. Uh, and this particular attack caused a... Attacked. Attacked. <laughs> this particular attack caused a citywide search on either side of the border. And... By March 27th, police had interviewed over 40, over 40, over 60, if I can read my own notes, over 60 witnesses, including suspects and uh, people that claimed that they had information, but with no luck, they were still getting nowhere. So on March 30th, a $500 reward, which... What was the amount? We looked it up in the last recording. It was around $6,000? The, the reward was $500 in 1946. And in current in day's, day's money, money is more than $6,000. Yeah, it was more than $6,000. It's like $6,400. Yeah. And that was the reward released for any information involving the attacks involving the cases, which kind of led to a lot of false leads, a lot of people with misinformation or no information at all that were just trying to call in for the reward. So the police were chasing their tails, for lack of a better phrase, during this entire thing, which led to April 13th, 1946. Oh, actually. Actually, what? Do you remember something? In this case, Immediately after the first murder, immediately the right police, after, police um, on the Texas side called in the Texas Rangers. Oh yeah, I remember mm -hmm. that. And the Texas Rangers were there trying to help them solve the case. But considering that half of the murders were half of what was going on was going on on the Arkansas side, it was. They weren't sharing, the police forces weren't sharing information, they were clashing on jurisdiction issues, it was, the police kind of led to their own downfall into why this uh, case went unsolved. I mean, they did one thing right, they called in the big guns as soon as they knew that they were out yeah. of their depth. 
but they stayed out of their deck and there wasn't really anything they could do about it at that time because they didn't know. Yeah. And on April 13th, 1946, was the last night that a young girl named Betty Booker and her friend... Betty what? Booker. Booker with a B? Booker. Okay. Yeah. Who was age 15, and her friend Paul Martin, who was age 16, who was apparently picking her up from an event, were... She played the saxophone. <laughs> yes, apparently she was a musician who was playing at a club club. For lack of a better word, club. <laughs> and I mean, her friend... There, there's not a club in Texarkana. Yeah. She was playing at a thing. <laughs> anyway, Martin came to pick her up. This was the last time oh. that anyone had seen the two alive. Uh, it wasn't until the next day that Martin's body was found in a ditch in a suburban area. It wasn't the ditch then. <laughs> And he had apparently been shot four times. Uh, his body, the coroner reported that his body had been dead for some time. And he had been sitting in the ditch for several hours. <laughs> the first one you said, he'd been, he'd been dead for a while. Oh, for some time. <laughs> the first recording was not good. He was immediately killed and dead all night. Oh, man. Uh, to put it lightly, my computer did me a favor of de deleting the first recording. Uh, Booker's body was not found several... Was found several was hours... Was not found. Was not found. Several miles. Was found several hours later, uh, nearly two miles away from having from being last seen or from Martin's body, uh, she was apparently shot twice. Um, there was a thing, a side thing, that I found that her saxophone was not found until about, like, a week later in just a rural area. It had apparently been thrown out of the car. Like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> Get this saxophone out the way. Who forgets? That they have some girl's saxophone in their car that they murdered. I don't know. The girl, they murdered I don't the girl, know. not there the saxophone. Was... I don't know. I really don't. I don't know if... It was actually... It was clashing evidence, this little bit of... Uh, this little tidbit of information. Whether he had had it, the phantom killer, whoever had murdered these kids had had the saxophone in his possession and then one day just threw it out, or if he threw it out whenever he was committing the crimes. So, no. Nobody knows. Uh, and on May 3rd, 1946, which was... was... which were the last attacks... <laughs> which were it? <laughs> uh... Virgil Starks, a uh, 37 male, uh, 37 He's year the 37 old, 37-year-old male. 37 male, and his wife Katie Starks, 36-year-old female, were attacked inside their homes by an unknown unknown gunman. Uh, Virgil was shot first. He had apparently 
heard or seen something, so he stand up to go look outside of the home, and he was shot through the window. I... It was multiple times. Okay, yeah, I have here it said he was shot twice in the head. Uh, and Katie, who had heard the initial shots, who was upstairs at the time, came downstairs thinking that Virgil had dropped something. And her account says that she had seen him she had seen him stand up but then he suddenly slumped back in his chair lifeless so obviously she ran to her house's phone line to call for the police where she was shot in the face by the gunman who was still outside how many times was she shot for i don't know i just know that she was shot We're multiple say times it was six times multiple times in the face at least twice. Uh, Maybe but, here's the kicker, here's the badass part of it, Katie survived being shot in the face, and managed to army crawl her way out of her house into her neighbor's house, where she- Into her neighbor's house. No, to her neighbor's house. Oh, okay. <laughs> where her neighbor obviously helped her, called the police and everything, and she actually completely did survive this attack. Which I think was pretty badass, badass of her. She was a survivor. Uh, was that you? Was that that tapping? Okay, yeah. Uh, this was the last attack of the Phantom Killer. Police had nothing to go on. Uh, they were basically chasing their tails up until this last attack and up until the Phantom killer disappeared without a trace and it is uh, this town was thoroughly changed by this i said this in the last recording this was sort of a sleepy town where people didn't lock their doors or anything like that because it nothing ever happened in this town and then after just the first attack everybody in this town was so suspicious of everybody specific yeah Suspicious of everybody else in the town, and yeah. Anyway, that's just it's safe to say that they locked their fucking doors after that. <laughs> safe to say they were being safe. Um, not to say that stupid teens were not going to Lovers Lane after this. <laughs> I mean, you gotta fuck somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were gonna say something, but I didn't think it was that. <laughs> okay. Um, to I will hand it over to you, Gabby, with your conspiracy theories. conspiracy theory. Get on with it. <laughs> My conspiracy theory is that 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 some people believe. The, uh, the Phantom Killer and the Zodiac Killer are the same person. As you scratch your lip. <laughs> <clears throat> because. Oh, look, I flipped right to the page. <laughs> I bet that'll never happen again. Because they're. The cases are very, very similar. Excepting. 
the fact that the Zodiac wrote letters and that in Texarkana there were sexual assaults. Yes. Those are the two main differences. But there are a lot of similarities, such as the covering of the face. The Texarkana Phantom Killer used a pillowcase or something of that extent like that to cover his face and head. And the Zodiac Killer, as we all knew, used like an executioner type hood mm -hmm. to cover his face and head. What did she say last time? It was like a canvas bag that covered his head. It was like a, head. a canvas thing she... that covered his head. Like a, like a paper sack. <laughs> that yeah, was it, was, it was like boxy. <laughs> and then it came down over his torso and his back a little bit. And he had sunglasses on. There were eye holes, but he had sunglasses on. So you can't see his face or his upper body. And he was wearing baggy clothes. Yep. And boots and gloves. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> also that um, the, the victims were mainly couples in like rural areas. As she said that in Texarkana there were mostly couples that were attacked on lovers' lanes. Yes. And with the Zodiac it was mostly couples that were out in places where people couldn't get to them easily. Yeah. Or quickly. Mm -hmm. That's there was terrible. also the issue of the jurisdiction stuff. In the Zodiac case, he murdered people and attacked people in different counties in Northern California, which, as we all know, caused a lot of confusion within the police, the police districts, because they knew that these things were happening in their areas, but none of them were sharing information, so they didn't connect anything until he wrote his letters and claimed the victims. Yeah. Same thing happened in Texarkana because the killer was going back and forth between Texas and Arkansas. Save for the letters. There were no letters in Texarkana. Oh, yeah, there were, I already said that. Okay. There were no letters in Texarkana, but he did go back and forth jurisdictional-wise between Texas and Arkansas. There's also um, a funny similarity in their victim numbers. In Texarkana, there were three confirmed dead and... Th not three. Five <laughs> confirmed dead and then three injured. With the Zodiac Killer, there were five confirmed dead and two injured. Although, in his last letter in 1974, the Zodiac claimed 37 victims. But... There's always been dispute over that because he claimed a victim that he didn't actually know had survived. <coughs> Sorry, I had to cough. Um, mm, 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 the Texarkana murders took place in the spring of 1946 in February through February through March, and it could have been, timeline-wise, it could have been a person in their late teens or early twenties, and would fit, would just about fit the age range of the person that they thought was were committing the Zodiac murders was in worth? their 40s. Okay. There's also a theory that they're, the person who did the Texarkana murders was related to, was the father of the person who did the Zodiac murders. Um, there's also a theory that this was a young man 
who was in Texarkana for a while and for for some visit or something because it only happened within a span of three months. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of people that are like, somebody's cousin came down for the frickin' weekend. Fest or something. Fest? Fest. <laughs> There's also, because the Zodiac was believed to be a Navy man, uh, there might be, a, there's a theory that he was in Texarkana for a while and was moved to, was stationed in California, which kind of doesn't make sense, <laughs> but you never know. <laughs> both of them happens. were, also both of them were never identified because of conflicting um, eyewitness accounts. And an unrelated uh, fact about both of them is that they both had movies made about them. <laughs> now, at the time that Zodiac was going on, there was a movie made called Dirty Harry. That's kind of, that was kind of loosely, it's a, um, what's his name? Clint Eastwood movie? Yeah. That was kind of based on the Zodiac, I believe. But the, the Zodiac, the movie Zodiac, was made in 2007 with Robert Downey Jr. and Jake Gyllenhaal and some other people that I can't remember. <laughs> and that is based off of the book by, what's his name, entitled The Same Zodiac. I should know because I read it. I don't know <laughs> his name. I don't remember it. <laughs> That's more of like a thriller type movie. And it's really good. I would suggest you watch that one. But the uh, the movie that was based on the Texarkana Moonlight Murders is called The Town of the Dreaded Sundown, made in 1976, and that is the most terrible problem. I wouldn't say that, but it's a really terrible <laughs> horror movie in which you know how a trombone is. <laughs> you know how it slides. <laughs> well. There's a scene in which the murderer tapes a knife to the end of the slidey bit <laughs> and stabs someone repeatedly while he's playing the trombone. Terribly, might I add. Yes. <laughs> which is a scene that was redone in the remake of the movie in, like, 2014. Oh, uh, great. Yes. That's all I have. All I have about the movie, The Town of Dreaded Sundown, is that the only similarity that I found is that it happened in Texarkana. Because literally nothing else is the same. <laughs> the Town That Dreaded Sundown is such a good name, but they really did not do it justice. No, it didn't. I mean, it's a funny one. Yes, it's, it's a funny hilarious. one to watch. But it's not. It's not. It's not a good movie. It comes like, to being based off of it's this like, case. Um, I was about to say Five Nights at Freddy's, Nightmare on Elm Street Two, where it's just fucking terrible. Is that but the one it's kind of funny? Watch? Huh? Is that the one that I didn't watch? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I watched all the other ones except for the second one. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, is that all you had to have to add? Yeah. Alright, well, that's all I have to add to. Ah! <laughs>
<laughs> my cord. Anyway, this has been Hunting Legends. Uh, if you are a first-time listener, hope you subscribe for more. Hope you listen to our past episodes. Uh, they're not all that bad. Uh, if you are a continual listener, if you've been with us to this time, I hope you stay tuned. I hope we didn't scare you off with the last episode. Uh, hope you comment. Nice comments, please. If you make bad comments, I will hunt you down. She won't. She's too no, lazy. I won't. I'm too lazy. <laughs> anyway, uh, do you have anything to add? No. Okay. Well, this has been Hunting Legends. Uh, see you next time. Bye! Bye. Goodbye. You should take that thing that I said about needing a place to fuck and put it on the end. <laughs>